Before we start the show, I want to thank the thousands of you, the thousands who have read This Book Will Make You Dangerous. Many of you have told me that the book's unique way of exploring fear, confidence, and purpose has had a lasting impact, that it's much easier for you to get clarity and direction about what really matters and what you want to do in this lifetime. It's also amazing to hear that quite a few of you have read it multiple times and even bought copies for friends, so thank you again. Just in case you weren't aware, I created a free companion video course for the book. And in these videos, I walk you through the big takeaways and practices from each chapter. And I even cover some extra stuff that's not included in the book. Information on how to access the course is in newer versions of the book. And if you own an older version of the book and you don't know how to access the course, just hit me up via the contact form at triplinear.com and we'll get you all set up. And one last thing, if you're one of the thousands who have already read the book, please consider leaving an honest review on Amazon so that others can decide if it's right for them. Again, thank you so much for reading. This book will make you dangerous. And now let's start the show. You are listening to the new man beyond the macho jerk and the new age wimp. Your host is men's coach, Trip Lanier. Are sex, money, and power dirty words for you? Are you afraid to admit that you want to be powerful? And what can you learn about true power from a former high-end escort? In this gripping true story, you're gonna hear how one woman refused to be a victim and how she found true power in a terrifying situation. Welcome to The New Man. Today, we're talking with Cindy, and Cindy is not her real name. Uh, you'll understand why in a minute. She wants to keep her identity uh, hidden. So, uh, Cindy, thank you for being here. Let's just start there. Thanks. Nice <laughs> to be here. So, the reason why we're not sharing your real name and your real identity is because a while back, you were an escort, right? Tell us a little bit about what an escort is, what they do. What an escort is and what they do. Well, um, funny, they do so many things. Uh, what they're best known for doing is uh, having sex for money. Okay. So in in the world of sex work, um, I guess people start using the word escort and call girl and that kind of thing when, when they start getting all high-end about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, that's what that is. Okay. And how did you get into, because this is not a typical story about how somebody gets into this work. So how did you end up becoming an escort? Um, so it was, it was interesting. So the whole 10 month experience of it was a research project for me. Um, I had been seriously studying sexuality, um, different sexual practices for myself. I had started this for my own benefit because I had a, a marriage that didn't really have much sexuality in it. And I wanted to know what was up with that. And as I, um, became involved with different organizations and schools and lineages and stuff of, of teaching around sexuality, I, um, developed through certain practices with my partners and stuff, this understanding of my power as a woman, um, and how it was connected to sexual energy and, 
the 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 energy of turn on and the experience of of that flow um, in a way that it wasn't connected to an outside circumstance. So it wasn't because oh I think that guy's hot that I'm turned on and I'm having a good time. But instead, it's because I know I'm hot and I know I want to feel this way right now that I could turn on and and have access to that sort of seat of power in a sense that, you know, pick a lineage, that chakra, however you want to talk about it. Um, that was really mine and it was independent of who I was with and through my experiences and in, in whatever stage settings, I really learned that Whoever I was with sexually, it didn't matter. I could still access an incredibly amazing turned on time just for me. And it felt very empowering. It felt like, oh, this is mine. This is what I can bring to a relationship or to whoever I'm with. So then I wanted to know, well, okay, this sort of applies in my safe container world of people who are on the same page as me and respect me and are kind of doing the same kind of interesting research, but does this apply in the real world? Like what, mm. how can I take this experience of, of this research of, of like, does this actually have anything to do with the reality in the modern world that can benefit, you know, other women and other people to know about. And so I guess the easiest way that I could think of to get access to people who were not sort of in the same sort of sample set that I was in. Yeah or in the same community that I was in, um, was through escorting. I thought, well, you know, here I'll meet a, a nice sort of random sample of, of people coming from all sorts of different backgrounds. Um, and then am I able to show up with them totally turned on and not just turned on, but open, like mm. without a mask, without pretense, just me. You know, wow. here I am. Let's connect. Let's see what magic we can create with absolutely every person, no matter what they looked like, how old they were, what their religion was, all of that stuff. Wow, so that this is so question. this is so powerful because I think that uh, it's one of these things for guys. Sexual energy is almost annoying. Like we want to get rid of it. We need to ejaculate as quickly as possible. We don't see it as power. We don't see it as generative energy or creative energy. And here you are tapping oh. into this energy and saying, huh, where, where else can I play with this? I, I'm able to generate this power and this energy. What are the different situations and circumstances and, and interactions can I have where this can be present? Right. Can I, can I say a little aside there? Please. From my own personal experience, I've, I've had many, many, many experiences over the years with different partners. And um, by far the best lover I've ever had, the one that like, I'm still totally hooked on, even though I haven't talked to him in two years, mm. <laughs> that one where I could close my eyes and just be there. And it's just like, that was it. That was the peak experience of my life. Sexually kind of that guy. He never came ever on purpose. He, um, he'd been looking, he, he practiced a lot of that Dallas sexual techniques where it's about kind of like, learning how to circulate that energy through the body and whenever he he did come a few times when we were together um kind of just because i was begging him to because it's fun for me every now and then you know yeah. um, but he would like it would take him two weeks to recover from that it would actually drain him physically he had learned how to harness that energy in a way that 
he felt amazing. So the whole experience of sexuality was about pleasure. Mm. It was about the waves of desire and anticipation up and down, as opposed to like just getting off. Yeah, just know? a release. How do I how do I get rid of this tension? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you, and thank you for that. So uh, you told yeah. uh, I was I was um, in a room, and you told a very very powerful story about mm. an incident you had as an escort working with a with a I'm going to use quote unquote powerful because I, I don't know if I really see this guy as powerful or not. So uh, <laughs> please let's let's talk about give us the stage for this situation that you had with this uh, with this person. Sure. So. Um, so I went in thinking that I was researching sexuality, but it turns out that I learned a lot more um, than that. Than I, I already knew all the things that I thought I knew on that front. What I really learned about was about power. Um, and what people think power is and what, what power really is. Um, and there's this one client that the story you're referring to, there's this one guy who um, I was really excited when he contacted me because I could tell from the get go that he was someone who lived in a certain sort of stratosphere, you know, of, of society. He had like access to, to things that I normally wouldn't have access to. He had money, like money, money. I don't know if he was a billionaire, but he was way, way up there in, in how much money he had. And at the time, it was like kind of thrilling, you know, like, mm. wow, you know, how do people with that much money live? Like, what is it? What are they like? Mm -hmm. And so he hired me to entertain um, some clients of his for his business that were coming in from out of town. And it wasn't a sexual thing. It was just like a go to dinner uh, go to a concert. We went to see some rock concert and that was it. That was what I was hired for. Just hang out, have a good time. Um, drink a bunch. He was a big drinker and I'm not. So that was part of it. I had to drink a lot, which is odd for me. Yeah. Um, but, but sure. So, um, so it was interesting to begin with. And so we went out for dinner. I went out for dinner with him and I just noticed I got picked up in this limo. And these people were in the limo and he introduced me as a friend. We had some cover story and I could just tell the way that everybody was being towards him. Like there were members of the staff and then there were these clients and the way that everyone was around him was very deferential and like, um, like toadies, you know, like, like yes, men, like everyone was just saying yes to everything. It was every joke that he cracked. Everyone was laughing at, even if it wasn't funny, everyone was looking for his, approval for his attention, for his, his just like, yeah, you're good. You're good. Everyone was trying to impress him. And was it like out and of fear was, or was it out of fear that they wanted to do this? Like they were afraid of what might happen if they didn't, or was it more like they just wanted his light, whatever he was bringing, that power that he was bringing? You know, I don't know. I, okay. I can, I can imagine maybe the staff members, you know, I don't know. He, he definitely held himself and talked about himself that he was all that. You know, he didn't, he didn't mince words. He wasn't the kind of um, humble, powerful person. He was a very egoic, I'm amazing. Look at me. Right. He's throwing money around. 
you know, I could buy this, I could buy that, you know, being really cynical and putting things down a lot all over the place. Like, okay. not a pleasant person. Okay, got it. Thanks. So, so personally, it was like, you know, he already paid me. I don't really have any skin in the game here. I don't care. I'm never going to see this guy again. So um, I didn't feel the pressure to play that game, to do that. And as we were driving to this restaurant for dinner, this whole scene just kind of really turned me off. Like it, it was just so bad and odd. Um, and this guy who thought he was on, acted like he was on top of the world really felt kind of sad to me. Like I felt like the whole thing was an act hmm. and it, it was untrue and it was really kind of ugly and unattractive. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, if I'm going to spend the next five hours this evening, whatever with this guy, it's gotta, I, I just going to say what's on my mind to maybe make this a little more pleasurable for me. So even though he's putting this out there that here I am, I'm this rich, I'm powerful, I'm, I'm the shit. Your experience yeah. was the opposite of this is really sad and, you know, he's in small. Yeah, it was so unimpressive. Okay. If I didn't need his, his approval for something, it was like, you're obviously overcompensating for something. Right. That you, just, you know. Okay. So you decided I'm the, I, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. I'm not going to hold back. Right. Okay. Right. So, so I looked at him, you know, and he's expecting me to be like that too, right? Because he just paid me a bunch of money and, you know, just act the part. Right. And instead I looked at him and I was like, you're really bored, aren't you? He was just shocked. He looked at me and I, I didn't know what was going to happen after that. You know, he didn't say anything for a moment. I didn't know if he was going to be pissed or if he was going to throw me out of the car or what, hmm. you know? And, um, and nobody talked to him like that. Nobody, none of those people would call him out on anything. Like you could tell this guy, no one's called him out on anything in a long time. Mm-hmm. He looked at me and he was like, yeah, how did you know that? Hmm. Right. And then he kind of went back to his way and started making jokes and kind of brushed it off. But for the rest of the evening, instead of like, I was there to entertain these, whoever these potential clients were that he wanted to impress. Right. Right. The rest of the evening, he just somehow made sure that I was around him. Like he just needed me around him all night long. And these poor clients had to basically take care of themselves. Like they were ignored by both me and him because he just caught a sense of something authentic of someone seeing past this sort of drama of power that he was putting on for people. That was just all his ego. Hmm. And so he was, he was wanting you around because he was drawn to you or he was wanting to be around because he wanted to protect, <laughs> protect himself from, uh, you know, you to keep, make sure you weren't around other people. What, what was your sense? that? No, no, no. He was drawn to me. He wanted more. Okay. Got it was it. like, he just felt something. You just saw for him for who time. he really is. You just saw him for who he really is. Right. Yeah. Right. Behind the facade. Mm-hmm. So, so it was really interesting because all of a sudden I knew that I was the most powerful person in this whole scenario. Right. Everyone's playing yes, man. And trying to impress this guy. This guy's being all like 
ego dude putting on a show about he's how he's all that and all his money and whatnot, whatnot. Right. And really, like, the, 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 it's not like I'm the player here. I'm the one who's pulling the strings. Like, I've got this man's number, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And 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 ultimately, like, I, I'm someone who really comes from a place of curiosity and love with people. Mm. Like, my interest was this guy. How how can his life be better? because of this evening that we're spending together. What can I get through to him or what, how can I communicate with him or make a connection with him in a way that something shifts for him where he doesn't need to do whatever this thing is that he's doing. That's ultimately coming from a lot of pain. Well, I think that's, so that a, that's, really, a, that's a huge point to make you to come from a place of being an ally instead of, I think you're full of shit and I'm going to call you oh, out yeah. and all that, you know, that, that's a, you know, that's, a, but so you, you, you've set the intention that I'm going to come here and I'm going to try and serve this man. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I had come in from some, I'm calling you out. If I had come in with my own ego, like I'm going to show you, mm. I, was about, I would have been kicked out of the car, you know, mm-hmm. but the reason he, you know, he waited a minute, he felt it. Like, what does this actually feel like? And then he brought me closer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. As you could tell. So, um, that was cool. And we had a really fun night and I enjoyed sort of getting in behind the scenes of this impenetrable power broker dude, whoever he was. Um, and at the end of the evening, we, we went back to the hotel that wherever these clients were staying at. And, um, we'd had such a great time and you know, I like sex and I like this guy and he's like, Hey, do you want to spend another hour? You know, I'll pay for it. And we could go upstairs and have some fun. And I was like, yeah, sure. Great. This is great. Um, so we went upstairs and I was expecting more fun. Mm-hmm. And granted both, he, he was a heavy, 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 heavy drinker. He was really, both of us were very wasted at this point on me because I'm such, I don't ever drink. So, mm-hmm. um, but still, you know, I was expecting to have a good time. Um, and so we started making out and it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm in a hotel room. Nobody knows where I am. I'm such a total statistic, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's almost cliche. Um, and he starts getting kind of rough with me. And at first I thought like, oh, we're kind of playing, you know, like how sometimes you're having rough sex, you know, or, or you're wrestling with someone or you're like, and it's fun and it's playful. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hot. Mm-hmm. And I noticed how he kept doing that. And he started doing some things that were really starting to hurt me mm. a lot. And so I was trying to like wrestle my way out of them. Um, and he wasn't stopping. And, and I was like starting to say like, no, stop. Like it, we got to, that's enough now. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was not listening to me. He was in whatever zone he was in. And then I, I was watching what was happening with my mind. Um, and I'm really grateful for a lot of the, the training that I'd had up to this point with working with my mind. Um, because I was able to, choose basically how I was having this experience. 
So I was watching my mind and I was like, you know, at some point I'm going to have to stop playing. But once I stop playing, that means that something really bad is happening to me. Hmm. So I kept pretending that I'm playing for as long as possible, like fake wrestling. And then until I just really couldn't pretend anymore, like something I was being assaulted and it was really painful and bad things were going on. Hmm. And, um, so I stopped playing and then it was like, Oh shit. You know, like, he kept going once you I stopped hope, playing. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is trouble now. And, um, and I realized, you know, I'm, I'm in, in a lot of trouble. I don't really know this guy. He can have a nice stick under the bed. Like, Holy shit. Um, I'm being raped now. Right. And, and, um, I, could have gone two ways with it. I could have, um, before I was aware of sort of the, my ability to choose my reality, um, I could have gone the way of experiencing all of that as a victim, as something really bad is happening to me. Uh, poor me. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Crisis. Um, that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that if I did that, like it's all flashes in my mind. It was like, if I do that, if I become a victim right now, then and give up my power, then I'm going to be in therapy for the next 20 years. on doing whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this experience. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So how do I stay in my power? Even though someone's raping me and beating me up. How do I stay in my power? Mm-hmm. So I made a conscious decision. Like the only thoughts allowed in my head were what can I do next to get myself out of this situation? Mm. So it was like, what's within my power my... to respond right now? Exactly. Right. So the circumstance is happening to me. And even still, what can I do next? Mm from here. So from here, if I move my left leg a little more to the left, will it give me more leverage to get out of this hold? If I scream, will it shock him out of it and do some sort of thing? If I say no, will it da, 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 da. Okay. And everything that I did, it was like gauging to see, did that do something? Did that give me a little more leverage? No, that didn't work. Okay. What's the next thing I could do? Okay. That didn't work. At one point, he elbowed me in the mouth, and I started bleeding from the lips. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what? <laughs> Drop his attention until I'm bleeding, you know? Yeah. Did that work? That didn't work, right? Like, on and on and on and on for like half an hour, 40 minutes. Wow. What's the next thing I could do um, to get myself out of this? And nothing worked until I had tried absolutely everything. Hmm. And, um, so then, um, I realized there was only one thing I hadn't done. There was only one thing I hadn't tried. And I was really, really scared now. Um, like it was really classic, you know, like prostitute gets killed in a hotel room. No one knows who she is, that kind of thing. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the only thing left that I could potentially do was um, surrender. 
if I surrendered, would that shift the dynamic in any way that I could then get myself out of the situation somehow? Hmm. But then it was like, but he really could have an ice pick under the bed. This could really be really what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might just end up dead if I'd make that decision. And even more importantly than that, could I surrender without giving up? Hmm. Right. Could that, could I do it in a way that I wasn't giving up my power? Yeah. I think that's the difference. There's a difference between surrender and defeat. Right. Exactly. It was such a subtle and extremely important thing for me in my mind, you know, like the difference of that was huge and I was aware of it. And I'd done such a good job up until that point to stay in my power, you know, mm-hmm. that here is this, the crux of this thing is that, can I do that? Is that possible? Can humans do that? I didn't know. You mm-hmm. know? Um, but it was the only thing I hadn't tried. So I just like, fuck it, you know, it's like an all or nothing, you know, yeah. um, do it. And I did it. And, and you did what exactly? What, what did that mean for you to surrender in that moment? I stopped fighting. Hmm. I stopped yelling. I stopped saying no. I stopped. I just went completely limp. Like, I stopped trying to get myself out of the situation. And whatever was happening was happening. Mm-hmm. And physically, I just went limp. And about 30 seconds after I did that, my, all my muscles relaxed, right? And this shift happened on the inside where all of a sudden this wave of sadness came over me. Hmm. So instead of this fight or flight fear thing going on, mm-hmm. It was just so deeply, profoundly sad. Just, it, I, could, I remember it coming from my feet all the way up to my head. And once it got to my head, I started to cry. Mm. It was completely limp, and I started to cry. Mm-hmm. And this guy sees me crying, and then he stops what he's doing. And he looks at me, and he goes, I, I'm, there's blood on my face. You know, he looks at me, and he goes, Oh, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Oh my God. <laughs> in in his drunken stupor, wherever he was at, he thought we were doing some kind of kinky BDSM scene or something. He obviously didn't know anything about what BDSM is, but like <laughs> he had no idea the whole time what uh, he was really doing, what was really going on. Wow. Okay. And he stopped. You know, and, and I, I here I, I like to say I got my power back, but really I never lost it. Mm-hmm. Like it just stopped. And it's really interesting. And like I could have just gotten my stuff and ran the fuck out of there. Yeah. But he was so confused and forlorn. Like he was genuinely confused. He wasn't like, oh, maybe I should yeah. switch gears here and act stupid. No. Okay. He was like, yeah. But I spent a bunch of time with him after that. 
explaining to him, you know, what is BDSM for real? All this stuff about what power really is, what, what just happened, right? And kind of try to set him on a course where he would n- never do that again to another person. Wow. Right? It was un- unbelievable. <laughs> and, and yeah, like I had two or three days of kind of trauma after that a little bit, but ultimately not so much. Like I was fine. A week later, I was totally fine and, and felt like a total badass, you know, like that whole evening from being able to just speak truth to him, to this, you know, powerful man, people thought really powerful man, and just speak the truth to him that no one else would. You're really bored, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, to extreme circumstances that potentially could lead to death and still... I'm not a victim here, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like really stepping into, um, person, like womanhood, personhood, whateverhood, yeah. badassness, like <laughs> that is power. That was like the biggest lesson. Huge. I mean, it was a gift. That whole experience was a gift, but the, the whole 10 months of research that I was doing, that was the gem that came out of it. Wow. I just, I mean, I'm blown away. This is the second time I've heard this, and I'm still just freaking rocked. I'm blown away by this. But okay, so let's talk about power. Let's let's talk about the two different types of power here. There maybe there's more. There was his version. How would you classify his definition of power? This power over another individual mm. through intimidation, through fear, through money, whatever. Is that is that what it is? Well. So I, I did something called um, a little while ago. I, I had a, this other research project I've been doing um, as a coach called the Power Project, where I've been um, interviewing powerful people on, you know, what is power? Uh, how'd you get it? What do you do with it when you have it? And all such things, because I'm so curious about that. And um, the typical way, it's funny, because whenever I ask somebody, um, yeah, I'd like to research, uh, interview you about power. They immediately, everyone immediately has a negative connotation of what power is. They assume that the kind of power I'm talking about is power over. Just like mm-hmm. you said. So what this guy was doing. That's what people think about when they think about power. Mm-hmm. So somehow it's at the I expense thought, of, it's somehow it's at the expense of somebody else. It's going to diminish somebody right. else. Okay. Right. I got my minions. I got my money. I can make people do whatever I want them to do for my own benefit. Right. Right. It's all about me. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all about me. There has to be some kind of hierarchy of people underneath you that therefore you feel good about yourself in a sense. And everyone looks up to you as something and therefore you're important. And, and our culture and is built that way. We're like, we look, oh, if I was just, if I just had what that person had, then I wouldn't be feeling what I feel here. Like we, we get into these, <laughs> we place people on a pedestal and imagine that their life is something that ours is not. Good point. Yeah, exactly. We do that, right? So yeah. we, we put the people on the pedestal and then the people are like, okay, I'll be on the pedestal. And they believe it, right? As people get more and more powerful in their careers or with women or whatever, right? They And people start responding to them or giving them accolades. It's hard not to take it personally mm-hmm. in a way. Like you have to be really start to believe there it. and have done some work. Yeah. yeah. That actually, this is not about me. You know, it's about them putting me on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. I'm still who I am and have always been. And I am 
all of everything in the universe happening through me all at the same time. And I'm also completely insignificant, a mode of dust gone tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's really the ultimate truth. So whatever significance anyway, so power over was what this guy was doing. Yeah. And anyone I've known and come across who really operates from that place externally, they look like, um, really good stuff is going on for them. But I've, when I've gotten close to them and gotten to know them, you, you can just feel the tension on the inside and the deep, deep unhappiness mm-hmm. and unfulfilledness, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm being I'm generalizing, but generally speaking, that's kind of what I found power over. That's where you go. Yeah. Then there's power too. There's a generative power. So most of the people that I interviewed who, who really were powerful and they were really interesting were people who power was like the ability to vision something and then create it. Hmm. The ability to have vitality and vibrancy and generativity in the world. So through you things happened. So, I, you know, I want to get more clients or I want to have my business grow, da, 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 or I want to contribute this way or I want to, you know, set up a farmer's market in my neighborhood or I want to put on a play or right. whatever that is. That generativity, that ability to create is really empowering, you know, like that's, that's yeah. really wonderful and important. Yeah. It seems like the difference that's between it. the two is is that second one that you talked about is the place that the, the planet that we're here to give something and yeah. versus I'm here to take something. I'm here to get something. So from a place of wholeness, yeah. I'm here to, I'm here to generate, I'm here to create, I'm here to give. And then right. if I'm not, if I'm lacking wholeness, then I need something from the outside to fill me up. So I'm going to take, and that's going to mean, that means I'm going to diminish. That's different yeah. than receiving. That's different than receiving love. This is, I'm taking it. I'm going to take something from you. I'm going to diminish you in some way in order to fill me up or to attempt to fill me up. But that sadness and that lack of fulfillment is uh, indicative that no matter what they're taking, it's not really going to fill them up. It's not really going to lead to that fulfillment. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. People do it with love, too. Yeah. You know? absolutely. Well, this is, Looking yeah. Looking to fill that black hole thing, the void. Yeah. That we all feel at some time or another, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So the, the 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 taking and then the giving, I remember there's this one guy that I interviewed for my power project um, who, um, he was like one of the wealthiest people in Canada under the age of 30. Whatever wealth he was able to, to generate was pretty amazing. And he was um, written up about it and, and all this. And he was, he was such a beautiful man. I met him through some acquaintances. Um, and he, in our interview, I asked him, when was the first time you really felt powerful? You really felt powerful. And he said, you know, the first time I really felt powerful was when I made my first million dollars and then I gave it away. Hmm. Charity just gave it away. He made a million dollars and he gave it to charity. Hmm. So, so there's a two sided thing, right? There's the ability to generate that wealth, right? And there's the ability to let it go 
mm-hmm. and give it away. It didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And he knew that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for him. It wasn't about him. And that was such a beautiful um, example of humility. And that is the common denominator of the truly powerful people I've spoken to. Well, I like that you brought that up. Well, I like that you brought that up is that there's this piece in there that I, cause I could imagine like, well, money's bad or power is bad. Therefore I'm going to go sit on the sidelines instead of, no, I'm going to go create, I'm going to generate. And then I'm also going to give at the same time. It's oh, yeah. this, uh, cause I see some people that, that look, you know, they're, they're wary of this kind of power, this ability to generate, they throw the baby out with the bathwater here, but here's an okay. example of how to be generative, how to be creative, how to create something powerful in the world and then, and then use it for good. Oh Yeah. It, it's, it feels so great. Giving feels so, so wonderful. I, you know, I would like that too. Like th- that research project I did with the escorting, that was 10 months, years and years ago. Right. So I'm a coach and I, I didn't make a lot of money coaching when I started and I, you know, hung out with the sort of the, my happy hippie friends and it's all about love and, and all these really great principles. But there isn't much generativity going on there. Mm-hmm. Nobody there really has that much money. And so and I didn't either. And I had this judgment about people who were making money, right? Until I made money, you know? And last year, my business took off. And I made more money than I ever made escorting. And it was amazing. And I realized how much I'd gotten in my own way, thinking that it was a bad thing. Hmm. And then once I made it, I noticed how, like I, I tallied up how much money I gave away to charity or to pe- my, like my friends GoFundMe campaigns or how I'd been tipping that year. And all of that gave me so much joy. And then all of a sudden I had a few bad months and I wasn't able to give. Hmm. And I felt all tight and restricted and like, oh, right. And it wasn't because I went out and bought fancy clothes or a fancy car or I don't, you know, like that stuff doesn't really matter. But I just couldn't contribute. I couldn't give, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think holding back is just the most painful thing. Even when, even just a compliment, like somebody at the grocery store does something mm. real, like the, the girl at the, the cash register is really nice and I'll walk out and I'm kind of, I'm kind of shy and I'll walk out and be like, man, she was really cool. And I didn't even acknowledge her for that. And it's just like, oh, it feels like shit to to hold back, to hold back love or even to hold back a, a few bucks here and there. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Hmm. One of the, the, there's this practice called withholds where people um, sort of practice saying to each other or somebody else things that they don't say out loud to someone because they don't want to hurt their feelings. Um, and it helps to, to, to be able to to say things and bring down that charge before you really go talk to somebody and handle it without all that emotion attached to it. Mm -hmm. But the thing that we withhold most from each other is our appreciation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in life and relationships, we just assume people know we think they're awesome. People don't, Mm -hmm. you know, like hearing somebody say, thanks for doing that for me. That was so useful or, Mm -hmm you look really great in that dress or I really love that interview with you. It's whatever our appreciation all around us. It'll change your bubble, you know, your life to see the people around you will just start to sparkle in a whole new way with your appreciation. Anyway, 
this has sort of popped up in my head, but the, the book Reinventing Yourself, mm-hmm. the Steve Chandler's work, the uh-huh. owner-victim um, distinction. Um, if I had picked up that book, not having had this experience, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Having had this experience, um, I just know it's true. It's, it's so much a choice. And, and the first step is knowing that it's a choice. Someone telling you, Hey, did you know it really is a choice how you experience everything that's happening with you in your life, no matter the circumstance, Mm. you know, Viktor Frankl, even in man's search for meaning talks about that. And, Auschwitz or in the concentration camps, you could tell right. the difference, mm-hmm. right? With it really, really is a choice. And then beginning to to explore for yourself, well, well, what does that mean? And the one of the blocks that happen to you know becoming an owner of your experience and powerful in that way is that you have to take responsibility mm-hmm. for whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. and that that seems like if I take responsibility, then it's not fair. You know, like there's this kind of like little kid voice presence, ego state. That's like, it's not fair. I, but my parents messed me up like this, you know, yeah, I need somebody to blame. They fired me. Right. 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 right? It's not fair. And if I hold on to that, it's not fairness. He broke up with me, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> then somehow the universe will conspire to make it fair for you. Hmm. Some some overarching mom figure or dad figure will come and make it okay right. if you if you wail at it's not fair hard enough in your soul you know right and that's just not true hmm. it's just no one is coming I'm so glad you brought that up I mean that that is most of us especially when we talk about taking responsibility a lot of people hear I got to take the blame instead oh. of instead of getting beyond oh. blame and just saying this is the way things are now what am I going to do. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, wait, if I'm responsible for this, cool. That means I actually can do something about it. Yeah. What do I want to do next? What do I actually want? I want my next amazing relationship. I want to stop being beaten up either Mm. physically or by life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want to get a job. Like I want to, what can I do next? Right. Oh, and then you start generating. Yeah. You know? I like to say if I like to say if we're complaining or playing the blame game, we're not working on a solution. We're not we're not in a creative place. We've just we've just mm-hmm. we've just hogtied ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I want to appreciate you now. Um, this has been just you know I I have a daughter and I can mm-hmm. I, you I mean you've you've expanded what I see possible for women. Like I just can't even imagine being in this situation that you were in and to be able to stay in that mindset and to be so powerful in that place and then to be able to soften in that place and surrender and be that powerful still, it, it's mind-boggling to me. I can't even, I, mm. it's, I have a hard time putting myself there. So you've expanded in my mind what's possible there You and, and mm. I'm glad that you are on this planet so that 
girls like mm-hmm. my daughter will be able to listen to this and say, wow, this is what, this is what's possible mm-hmm. to be a, a, a woman. But beyond that, I mean, I don't even want to get into woman and man stuff. Like you're just an amazing human being. So I just appreciate mm-hmm. there's so mm-hmm. much that even where you started mm-hmm. this interview today about talking about sexuality and power is like, geez, that's like a whole <laughs> five hour conversation <laughs> to have that would really serve the listeners here. So, um, yeah. but this story, you being willing to share it, um, is, is a really big deal to me. And, and I was so glad you said yes to doing this interview. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. If these interviews are helping you, then please visit The New Man on iTunes and leave us a positive review so others can discover the show more easily. Thanks for listening.